and welcome to today's episode of In Fellowship, the podcast where we explore community building through a chapter-by-chapter read of The Lord of the Rings. My name is Ellen. And my name is Anna. And in today's episode, we're discussing Book 3, Chapter 6, The King in the Golden Hall, discussing family in community. Family. Which, of course, you and I are. Mm-hmm. My question for you as we jump into today's chapter is that we get lots of really delightful world-building description as to how Rohan looks. Mm, mm -hmm. Where in your mind do you imagine in our current world is most like how we heard Rohan described? I think somewhere like South Central Asia. Lots of mountains. Mm-hmm. It's the country where they throw the goat. <laughs> what? Throw The throwing the goat game. I have no context. Buskashi. Central Asian sport in which horse-mounted players attempt to place a goat or calf carcass in a goal. Sure. <laughs> this is new to me. <laughs> Learning a lot here on In Fellowship. It's played in Kyrgyzstan and Kazakhstan. So that's where I'm placing Rohan. And they would probably play this game with the goat. Interesting. Learned something new today. What about you? Where would you uh where would you put him? I kind of envisioned like Chile. Oh, interesting. Say more. Or like Argentina in that. Mm. I'm picturing like big sweeping mountains, but also some plains, big uh, grassy plains that would be ideal for horses and their, you know, various snacking. But also some of the pictures in my mind of Rohan are that the country, most of Middle Earth, appears to be very rural. And Rohan, as I'm envisioning it, is kind of like some of it is tucked away into these corners and like this really majestic beautiful countryside and so that's that's what came to mind well we'll just have to go to both locations and then see which one fits better absolutely Mm -hmm. challenge accepted (laughs) well i want to dive into the chapter the these this the prior chapter this one and then the next one it's just like boom 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 action left right center you know what i mean Yes, we have, there is a lot that happens. Mm -hmm. There are a lot of characters and names that are thrown back at us. Mm -hmm. I forgot to introduce us as, what did we decide? Aona and Aeolin. Aeolin and Aeolin. (laughs) Aeoli. (laughs) So thusly, there's a lot to discuss. But before we get into the... Ravioli and Aeolana. (laughs) Right. Right. Our code names, should we ever need the Secret Service's protection, are that exactly. Okay, perfect. Glad we got that sorted. Recording after we've both been at work. I know, I feel goofy. It's a little punchier than usual. (laughs) Okay, but before we get into the many events and characters of the chapter, Ellen, have you brought us a story today about family? I sure have. And my story today is about family support and how it can be visible to the community. 
So I was in show choir in high school, which to the uninitiated is the high school sport that Glee was based off of. So picture sequins, jazz hands, spinning in unison, all of the above. And in show choir, we would compete against other schools and travel via bus to these different competitions with a very dedicated group of parents and other family members. They would come to each competition to cheer. And my favorite tradition of this traveling support system is that they would wear buttons, like big circular three-inch across buttons, with their kid's face on it to each competition. And these were not homemade buttons. These buttons were made by the show choir each year. They would take our headshots at like one of the last dress rehearsals prior to the season and then make these buttons for each of the students to give to our families. And a lot of parents would wear multiple years worth at each competition. So you could wear your kids, you know, sophomore, junior and senior buttons all proudly on on your jacket. And I remember there was there was one mom who had multiple kids all go through show choir throughout the years and she would wear the buttons of each of the kids even those who had already graduated in addition to their kid who is currently participating uh, in in show choir and I like these buttons for many reasons but one of the reasons is that in addition to making the kids feel supported they distinguished familial ties to each other So you could walk up to somebody, see the child's face on their shirt and be, oh, you're you're so-and-so's parents. And in the case of those who had multiple kids go through, they could really show their family's long-standing commitment to this show choir community. And I, I thought of this story in relation to the chapter that we just read because the House of Aeorl shows a lot of importance placed on advertising familial ties. And I thought that the buttons were sort of like a modern take of having a family portrait gallery with like generations of oil paintings and tapestries looking down at you from decades past. But instead, it's like cute little printed buttons that you're wearing. Do you remember Do you remember seeing these or wearing these when you were in high school? Okay. First of all, of course I do. (laughs) And I say, of course I do, because if you'll recall, I wore one of your show choir buttons to your college graduation. I recall. I how could I forget? I think you, mom and dad all did. Yes, I had. I think somehow that was a decision made. I don't recall when or how, but we had accumulated these buttons, I should say, that also kind of chronicle growth mm-hmm. you could look very different from a, a freshman to a senior in high school and if you're in show choir all of those four years a parent can kind of show off you know how tall their child has gotten or how much mm-hmm. they look like an adult now and they looked like just a wee little thing when they started show choir and so i think how much better they can curl their hair yeah no kidding <laughs> and so i i think we had two or three 
maybe two from the same year or something mm-hmm. and so we decided that instead of making shirts with your face on them which was my original suggestion to right your graduation then instead we would just wear these already pre-made and available buttons mm-hmm. so yes i do very much remember them and i do remember there being like legacy families yeah as you had noted who had lots of kids that went through show choir mm-hmm. and they could they could carry on the traditions of the community and like right hold a lot of the things oh and we were in new york two years ago we did it like this and now we're gonna do it that that way again because it was so fun and yeah Mm -hmm. i i i just it was such a tight-knit community and i don't know Mm -hmm. whose idea it was to start these buttons but i just think there is nothing better for for showcasing how proud you are of your your kid and how you're all related in in this one one group moving forward Absolutely. Yeah, those were really fun. And then, like, for your friends, which is always my goal, is that I would try and, like, get the buttons of my friends because there were usually a couple made mm-hmm. um, and maybe a parent didn't want to wear them. And so I would try and gather them and then I would wear them as a, a friend who had so many friends in show choir but was not in show choir herself mm-hmm. to also show support, usually for um, opening night. Yes. Uh, good times. Okay, so we've told the story, we've discussed, and now it is time to transition into talking about the chapter. How about you walk us through some of the many things that happened during this chapter that we've been we've been hinting at? Yes, so many things. I tried to pull out what seemed the most important, so there are definitely components that may feel a little a little incomplete if you've read the chapter as well, but mm-hmm. these are the highlights. Gandalf, Aragorn, Legolas, and Gimli travel to the Golden Hall of Rohan. The travelers have a bit of trouble at the gate, and after some discussion and giving of their names, they're ultimately allowed to enter into Rohan as long as they're not armed. And there are sort of two stages of this. One is just getting access, and the second is actually getting access into the hall. Ultimately, Aragorn is really reluctant to turn in his weapon, which causes some tension. He does give it up, though Gandalf is allowed to retain his staff. As they enter into the hall and as Gandalf notes who the king's council is, he seems to, like, smite said council. And there's then this notable change in the king's demeanor. So this is King Theoden. We meet Lady Eowyn, or Lady Eowyn is described for the first time, so huge shout out to her. She's a fave. Gandalf brings Theoden up to speed on some of the world happenings and encourages that he holds his sword. And this is important because as he holds his sword, it seems as though, like, another veil across his eyes like falls away he's becoming more awake and more conscious to the world about him than when we initially enter the hall with the the travelers gandalf tells theoden that they must fight saruman and starts making battle plans rohan begins preparing for war gandalf identifies that Wormtongue, who is the council that he kind of smote at the beginning is an agent of saruman and Theoden ultimately presents Wormtongue with the choice of going to war with him or returning to Isengard. Wormtongue, after kind of a spicy exchange, says that he's headed for Isengard. 
Theoden, grateful to Gandalf for his clear-eyed assessment of this sort of nasty counsel he's receiving, gifts him Shadowfax, right, our favorite horse lord, and then armor to the rest of the travelers. Theoden names Eowyn as his successor should he die in conflict, and apparently she is a beloved leader and is nominated by uh, one of the Rohirrim. And then the Rohirrim ride to war. To war! To war! Each of the last three chapters now have ended with them going to war. We're definitely building. Yes. Building to conflict. Mm -hmm. It's about to get heated. Heated! As we can tell, I was not in show choir at all. Okay, so <laughs> that's more or less what happened. There mm-hmm. are a lot of pieces moving along. There's like this weird kind of maybe romantic tension between Aragorn and Eowyn Oof. for like a hot minute. Yes, ridiculous. We're learning, like we said, about the the legacy of um, the folks who built the Golden Hall. We're learning the names of the folks who control the gates and access to the hall all kind, all kinds of things mm-hmm. are happening. Everything happens. So that leads me to, I'm sure there were some examples of today's theme throughout all of these different events. Oh, we got them. Don't you worry. We, we ready. <laughs> so uh, let's jump in. Why don't you share some of the examples that you saw? We, we begin on page 120. So this is something that we have seen throughout the books. Everybody always does this. We introduce ourselves with the name of a parent. So in the middle of the page, Gandalf says, And here beside me is Aragorn, son of Arathorn, the heir of kings. And just the importance on the importance placed on family in saying who you are as it relates to another person seems to really give people a sense of self and a a sense of placement in in the broader context of things. So I like that we got to see one of those examples in this chapter because it happens literally everywhere. Frodo, son of Drogo. They all rhyme too, which is helpful. Okay, and then the next two I'm grouping together. So first quote is on page 118. We're jumping back a little bit. This is when Gandalf, Legolas, Gimli, and Aragorn are all riding up to Edoras and Meduseld, and they come through these barrows where all of previous sires of Theoden sleep. The exact quote is, Behold, we are come to the great barrows where the sires of Theoden sleep. Seven mounds upon the left and nine upon the right. Many long lives of men it is since the Golden Hall was built. And then again, a similar theme on page 123. We are now in Meduseld in the hall, and this is when we see the tapestries. So the quote, Many woven cloths were hung upon the walls, and over their wide spaces marched figures of ancient legend, some dim with years, some darkling in the shade. Aragorn says, Behold, Errol the Young! Thus he rode out of the north to the battle of the field of Celebrant. So all of that beholding was different generations of Theoden's male line. 
and it just we we see what prominence they are given in the physical spaces both outside of the city gates and these essentially a cemetery and then again in the hall they really are given pride of place and like every moment upon entering and getting into Theoden you have to pass by all of the previous kings to get to where he sits and so I thought that showed a strong culture of familial tradition and that for this community they really do value familial ties behold familial ties yes (laughs) i feel like that's a lot of hmm pressure perhaps or that there is community perhaps on the on the positive side maybe pressure on the more negative side Mm -hmm. where you're literally sitting in a hall built by your family and watched over by their legacy and that there are these very physical reminders that your lineage is one of greatness Mm -hmm. and that they are heralded for whatever their sort of hallmark achievement was to the country. And that's just kind of a wild concept to me because certainly there are examples of that in today's world. And it just, because their communities seem a little bit smaller and a little bit more close-knit, it feels like that would really be a pervasive or a really sort of deep-rooted feeling of community. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we see that at the end, which I'll bring up, but that, you know, he says that that their, their trust is in this family. And obviously, there have been many people on this line leading them beforehand. And this community of Rohirrim, they trust this family. Mm-hmm. Okay, my next example is on page 127. <laughs> and Theoden King says, Go, Eowyn's sister daughter. And I wanted to call out sister daughter because, again, we are just placing such high value on each person's familial relation to one another. It's like, here's your name, and here is how you are connected to me. Mm -hmm. On a side note, it seems like they don't have, like, niece or nephew or uncle. And so I fell down a hole of being like, this could be, instead of uncle, we would say, like, there's our mother brother. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Instead of uh, a cousin, it would be, like, mother's mother brother sons (laughs) which i think is really interesting Mm -hmm. i don't i don't remember if we've talked about this on the pod before but i am sort of having two thoughts one this reminds me of in some languages where there's a very specific greeting or honorific that's placed and it changes for if it's a sister of your mom or a sister of your dad or a maternal grandmother or a maternal grandfather, that that kind of lineage tracking does show up in the language. Mm -hmm. Which leads me to, we know that Rohan kind of has its own language and they don't jump into common speech. Part of this is Wormtongue's counsel to try and sort of maintain exclusivity to outsiders because it's not well known, this language in Rohan, and so common speech, if it's not used or is not accepted, it's much more challenging for outsiders. Mm -hmm. So I'm thinking about like if this is all happening in common speech, is there such a word for 
niece and nephew, but like the Ro- the Rohan mm-hmm. equivalent mm-hmm. doesn't quite translate. And so they're doing like a literal translation, mm-hmm. you know? Maybe. I would buy that. Yeah, that, that would make more sense than just not having sister daughter. <laughs> sister daughter. Um, but it's kind of fun to think like, okay, we always start at the nuclear family. Mm-hmm. And then we go that your relation to that person of the nuclear family like it's just it's interest. it was it was an interesting phrase the more i thought about it but it it really stuck out of my mind when i was reading yes especially because in our family especially on our mom's side we do have closer relationships than other families of which i'm aware at least with her cousins, her cousins' kids, like, we've met them more than once. Mm-hmm. We've done, you know, we've attended events where they're present. And so if you think about how far out into the extended family does this language mm-hmm. apply, you know, to your point, a mother-brother, but then what about a, is it then grandmothers, sisters, daughter's daughter like how far mother's mother's do you... sister's daughter's right. daughter <laughs> how how far and then in one regard it feels like you are continually affirming your relationship to one another right so that information is never lost and so you are continually tracing your lineage your relationships to others it feels like the network of community is really well established and and closely knit. You know, I think of the ways that sometimes if you attend a family reunion mm-hmm. <laughs> and you have to describe like, okay, who do we have in common? Yeah. And then you <laughs> and get then, lost. It's like, are you my second cousin? Are you my first cousin once removed? Oh, you're my right, mother's like, mother's sister's brother's daughter. Right. Exactly right. So like that that title becomes less important than the mechanism by getting to that mm-hmm. to that relationship is interesting to me. But you would think that just from like an efficiency standpoint, conversations might take a really long time to try and get to some mm-hmm. of those more extended relatives. This is like the opposite of the British aristocracy where everyone is just a cousin in the Regency era. It's just like, ah, oh, yes, I'm off to visit my cousin. Who knows how we're related? <laughs> I'm rereading Pride and Prejudice right now, and how Mr. Collins keeps calling Elizabeth Cousin Elizabeth just makes me want to die. I'm like, please stop. You tried to marry her. It's very cringe. (laughs) Very cringe. Okay, well, that that was my call to the way that they address each other. I do have one last example for us. It is on page 136 to 137. And this is what we were talking about with how Eowyn is nominated to take charge. And also, just how annoying is Theoden in this? He's like, who could it be? I have no child. And this is the my sister's son, and he has to come with me. Who's left? I'm like, literally the only other person you're related to. Literally, that one last person is who's left. <sighs> I was annoyed by that. But the exact quote is, is there none who you would name? In whom do my people trust? That's Theoden speaking. And Hama answers, in the house of Errol. Theoden goes, but Aylmer I cannot spare, nor would he stay, said the king, and he is the last of that house. I said not Aylmer, answered Hama, and he is not the last. There is Eowyn, daughter of Eomund, his sister. 
She is fearless and high-hearted. All love her. Let her be as lord to the Aerolingus while we are gone. And again, this is just such loyalty to, it's like loyalty to the family name to the point of, it reminded me of brand loyalty, where it's like, I don't care what this shoe looks like. I'm a Nike person. I'm going to be wearing my Nikes. That is how it seems the Rohirrim are treating the house of Errol. And for a good reason, apparently. They're all great. And I am just so pleased that we finally get a female character here who's nominated to a leadership position. Yeah, and good on Hama for being like, I didn't say Aomer. Yes. What an ally. (laughs) Try to listen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But it is interesting that we're, we're making a decision based on a family name and not on leadership competency and so i think here we're sort of making the assessment that those two things are one and the same Mm -hmm. right you are qualified for leadership because you've been proximate to the leadership of this country for generations and generations but i think as we've learned at least in our own world history that can be kind of a dicey move right like especially as you start to move outside of the family or if someone has something to prove like, that isn't a guarantee mm-hmm. that you're safer and, and stronger for that decision. But then Hama, again, sort of reaffirms that not only is she a member of this family, but she's also, like, beloved and high-hearted and brave and strong. And so she has all of these amazing capabilities that also support this as a nomination, even if it's just a little bit outside of the actual perhaps line that's led Mm -hmm. yeah they look out that they only produce winners (laughs) it's just been (laughs) great people all the way down (laughs) we've just been amazing look at our tapestries Mm -hmm. all of us winners yep Mm -hmm. (laughs) left and right (laughs) well those are my examples did you have any that you wanted to bring to us for a discussion the only thing that that otherwise kind of was a, a familial thought is the lines that are going to war as well. So the idea that there is a call for fathers and sons mm, mm-hmm. to go to war. And then presumably, if we think about gender on a spectrum, right, mothers and daughters who are being asked to stay behind. There is a cleaving of the nuclear family structure, Mm -hmm. and I feel like that has to be, especially given the language used in this chapter, that has to be just so devastating for this this country when clearly this is how they understand one another Mm -hmm. and their families in relationship to others to have that kind of separation of of the core unit. So that was really the only other thing that jumped out at me. Yeah, it makes me more grateful that Eowyn is going with the other contingency to the safe house because I feel like it's easier to do hard things when you see leaders modeling the same. Did you have any notable quotes, talking with Tolkien items for us today? Oh, yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. Okay, so yeah, let's transition to talking to Tolkien. I have two. The first one is on page 122. This is Gimli saying that Aragorn would never fight alone. Hama was like, here, you shall lay. Not fight alone against all the men of Edoras. And Gimli goes, not alone, said Gimli, fingering the blade of his axe and looking darkly up at the guard as if he were a young tree that Gimli had a mind to fell. 
And it's just funny to think of him like glowering up one at a tree, but then two at, at Hama being like, no, never alone. Mm-hmm. We love the friendship between the trio. We support them, ride or die. And here we see here we see Gimli being being a stand-up member of, of the Hunters. And Gimli is like 100% the ride or die because yes. then he later in that same page, right, is like, well, said Gimli, if it has Andoril to keep it company, my axe may stay here too without shame. Mm-hmm. And he laid it on the floor. Now then, if all is as you wish, let us go and speak with your master. Like, he was absolutely taking yeah. that with him mm-hmm. if Aragorn did not put down his sword. And I love that. Yeah. I oh, love that for this group. For sure. He was like, who will we fight? You just point point me in the direction and I'm I'm going. I'm ready. The second quote that I really liked is just the sick burn that Gandalf serves to Grima. <laughs> and he's yes. like, the wise only speak of what they know, Grima, son of Galmod. A witless worm have you become. Therefore, be silent and keep your forked tongue behind your teeth. I have not passed through fire and death to pandy crooked words with a serving man till the lightning falls. Oh! Uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> That's what Gimli is doing in the in the back. <laughs> Just fronting so hard. <laughs> I loved that bit. And that's when he smites him with his <laughs> staff. Mm-hmm. And then this isn't a quote, but did you were you charmed by where the chapter ends and it's Aomer being like, You can sit with me, Gimli, and Gimli's like, I will if Legolas can come too. And it yeah. it just reminded me of in show choir when you had to get a bus buddy before every competition to like sit with you on the bus ride and it was like a big deal who was going to be your bus buddy Mm -hmm. this was giving me major bus buddy vibes (laughs) let's go to war together yeah and that Gimli and Aomer kind of make up a little bit from their original incident where Aomer insulted the lady of the wood and so Gimli says and I was a thousand percent charmed by it Quote, I will forget my wrath for a while, Aomer, son of Aomond, said Gimli, but if ever you chance to see the Lady Galadriel with your eyes, then you shall acknowledge her, the fairest of ladies, or our friendship will end. <laughs> my way or the Dude, highway. She's either, yeah, you either admit she's gorgeous or our friendship is over. It's over. <laughs> no ifs, ands, or buts. Did you have any, any talking with Tolkien? Oh, I'm glad you called out the fork tongue behind your teeth quote because yes. it's a personal favorite of mine. Oh, it's so good. Oh, it's so delightful. And it's served with such just like laser precision mm-hmm. in the moment. Mm-hmm. I love that. The only other one that I really kind of stuck with me is on page 135. So it's an exchange between Theoden and Gandalf. And they're kind of talking about... Aomer being a stand-up guy and defying worm tongues, like nonsensical counsel when he's trying to sort of subvert Theoden's actual power. And Theoden says, Ao much to Aomer, faithful heart may have forward tongue. And then Gandalf responds, and this is the quote that I thought was pretty great. Quote, say also, said Gandalf, that to crooked eyes, truth may wear a wry face. And I wanted to unpack that a little Mm. bit, because to me, it sounds like Gandalf is saying those who have bad intent or who are being dishonest, truth is always going to look 
less desirable or maybe even contemptible to the lies that they're spewing. That's kind of how I understood that. Mm. What are your thoughts? I took it as that Theoden was the one with the crooked eyes. And that, like, people who have been led to look at a situation incorrectly or, like, led astray by somebody with ill intent or just, like, doesn't see the situation clearly, Mm -hmm. that the truth may wear a wry face. Mm -hmm. And that makes sense, too, because Theoden then responds, indeed, my eyes were almost blind. So he does seem to be talking about himself. Mm -hmm. But I thought that was, I thought that was just a nice quote to make you stop and think and go okay where is truth not helpful or seen as again subversive Mm -hmm. and why would someone think that you know what's sort of the motivation of the person receiving those truths spoken Mm -hmm. so i liked that quote quite a bit it's no uh where the morgue howls there the orc prowls but (laughs) it is uh I think it could be like a, a maxim for Middle Earth. Yeah, absolutely. So those were our quotes from today's chapter, which just all around mm-hmm. delightful character building. 10 out of 10. We definitely recommend reading it. We recommend reading the whole <laughs> series, but this chapter in particular, what a delight. Mm-hmm. So Ellen, what is the action item that you'd like to leave us with today? So we've talked about extended relations, nuclear relations, and for today's action item, you can pick any family member. Reach out to a family member that you haven't spoken to recently, and I really encourage you to do this as a phone call if possible, because I have experienced that trying to have the, hey, what have you been up to conversation over text is actually exhausting and ends up taking 100% more time than just picking up the phone and giving somebody a call. So try to chat with them for at least 10 to 15 minutes and ask them, how are you? How have you been? Share a little bit about yourself. Just a very basic catch-up chat. If you run out of things to talk about, you can always recommend this podcast to them. So that's our that's our action item for today. Our action item is to contact your family and like maybe a little bit plug yes. this podcast. And tell them <laughs> what you've been listening to and how much you like it. Good deal. Mm-hmm. I have a, I have a family member in mind that I may I may reach out via text first yeah. because they're a busy person and just Schedule be like, hey, call. can we mm-hmm. Yeah I support that. Or like when's a good time, you know? But other other than that, I'm excited. That'll be a good a good week activity for me. The list of people who I call without texting first to like see if they're free is like maybe five people. <laughs> You're on there. <laughs> oh, I'm aware. And I pick up every time because I'm like, why is she I calling know. me? Is everything okay? I know. That's the other thing is when you get when you get that call from a family member where you aren't expecting that. You're like, oh, my word. What has right. occurred? Crisis. Yeah. yeah so let's yeah. amend that. I don't know why that Send is. Send them a brief text. <laughs> Ask if they have time to catch up and then give them a call. Good deal. Mm-hmm. Looking forward to it. Today's podcast was brought to you by Gandalf's Anti-Aging Therapy. Smooth the appearance of fine lines and renew youthful vigor with Gandalf's Anti-Aging Therapy. Our music is by Robert Zahn and Simon Dunn. 
If you have thoughts on today's episode or on our homework assignment, send us a voicemail or email at infellowshippodcast at gmail.com. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. Remember to take care of your community, stay hydrated, and thank you for joining us today in fellowship. Okay, let's hold hands and take the, the great cannonball jump into this chapter. It started really dignified, and then you said <laughs> cannonball. <laughs> and then we splash the patrons of the community mm-hmm. pool. For Frodo! Right. Exactly right. Or is it my turn to start? I always get confused. It is. It's my turn to start. It's absolutely your time. It's your turn to start. It's your turn. Okay. It's your time. <laughs> <laughs>